everybody, and welcome to week 28 of 52 Weeks of Empowerment. I am your host, Andrea Pagnosi, and I'm also a career empowerment coach that is fiercely dedicated to getting everybody in 2022 to realize their true career potential. The last week, we started off the back half of the year talking about people who are looking to get employed, but maybe being told they're overqualified for what they're applying to. And gone are the days when a career path looked at lateral moves and diagonal moves and moves that aren't essentially moving upward. They're moving onward. They're doing jobs because they enjoy them and because they excel at Now we live in a society where that is not necessarily okay in some companies you move up or you move on. And that's okay, but it's it's important to know that. What's interesting though is that when you move on to a new company and you come in with a great deal of experience, you finally get that job. The fact remains that no matter who you are, no matter how much experience you have, you still need to be onboarded. You still need to be trained. And what I'm finding companies are doing more and more, and I wish they would get away from it, is because they're in such stress and overwhelmed with work, they want to get somebody up to speed as quickly as possible. They bring somebody in with all of this experience and they expect them to just by osmosis start to do the job because they've done it before somewhere else. But that's the key. They've done it somewhere else. So I'm inviting anyone to listen to this program who is starting a new job, leaving an old one, currently interviewing for one, people who are hiring experienced individuals to this episode because it's going to be educational. And honestly, I spent a lot of years in training and development at an organizational level. I'm going to talk about an issue that needs to be addressed. We're going to talk about a key challenge that many companies have struggled with as they welcome new people into an organization. We're going to properly define what you should be getting as a new employee, define what good looks like about the onboarding procedures and what to expect when you get hired, particularly if you have experience in your field, but not necessarily. Really anybody will benefit from this episode. We're going to tackle the topic of assimilation, how you get welcomed into a company. If it's done right, great. If it's done incorrectly, it has significant costs, including low morale, which leads to turnover. The average person leaving a role today is within four months if they're not happy in a job. It has never been so low, never been so low. People usually wait a year because they say, oh, it's going to look bad on my resume if I'm only somewhere for four months now. They don't care. If they're unhappy or they don't feel part of the team, you want to avoid that. You want to welcome them in with open arms and keep bringing the noise, keep welcoming them, keep making them feel welcome. And their departures, especially in such short timing, hurt the reputation of the organization. So we're going to hope to avoid that today with the six rules of onboarding. So let's get started. So as I said, last week, we addressed the overqualified candidate. If you haven't heard that episode yet, please do so. I know of people who are managers and they constantly overlook qualified candidates because they want to shape and mold new people. They, they say they want to, quote unquote, give people a chance. And that's very noble. But there are certain times when a great candidate comes across your desk that has the experience 
And it has always baffled me that we don't give them more of a look. They may on paper sound great, but really a lot of people fluff up their resume. So you don't know if they're really overqualified just by that. If they've got the qualifications you're looking for on paper, give them a listen. Do a screening interview. It's 30 minutes of your time. It it helps you build your interviewing skills, but welcome them to the table. Take a listen to them. Ask the right questions because a lot of those experienced people, as I mentioned at the start of the program, it's not that they don't want to advance in their career. It's that they like doing what they do. And I would rather hire somebody who has experience, who's passionate about what they do. And they're really good at it. And when you bring these people into your organization, you need to stop accelerating the onboarding experience. Please. It is synonymous with sending somebody in for surgery and sending them home prematurely because just because the process of surgery is less invasive and it's been advanced over time, it doesn't change the potential risk of infection nor the healing process of the human body. Experienced candidates are sort of similar to that. They may have done the job elsewhere and they may come in equipped with a lot of great things, but they're not familiar with your processes and procedures. So they still take the same time to ramp up as everyone else new coming into your company. It is so beneficial to hire somebody who gets what you do. The learning curve may be a little less steep. I'll give you that. But you still need to provide adequate training opportunities to them. So rule number one, Build your orientation around the fact that every new hire is by definition a new hire. Tenure is not relevant. It's not relevant when you're a new hire. They are new to your company. They deserve the same welcome procedures as anyone else. Don't skip a day. Don't jump them into practical learning exercises. Don't just leave them to their own devices. It doesn't work that way. They need to meet the people. They need to know the policies. They need to know the processes. They still need to meet with benefits and IT and, and all of that good stuff. But I really don't think it matters where in tenure they are in their career, regardless if they're grad student, undergraduate, college graduate, if they're the equivalent of a college professor in your field, it requires the same emphasis on welcome to your company. Here's what we do. Here are the products. Here is our mission. Here are our values. Repetition builds retention. And sometimes someone who is tenured may relish the review. It's not a waste of time. Hey, I haven't done that in a long time. I'm glad to see you're bringing back that procedure. I'm glad I had the refresher. I hear that a lot when building training for companies who have extremely tenured people and we go back to the basics. When the training is being done, the senior leaders of the organization are like, this is a waste of time. They know how to do this. This is insane. And then they do the training and they're like, they love the training. They needed the refresher. They're doing so much better. Thank you. Trust the trainers. They will tell you what your people need. Conversely, if a person feels the review is unnecessary and shows a bad attitude, which that does sometimes happen, you see early on in their tenure, if you welcome them in as you would anyone else, this person has a bad attitude. They think this is juvenile. They're not taking the job seriously. And it's somebody you may want to watch. Training uncovers, orientation uncovers red flags. 
but it also uncovers people who are collaborative and that you have sealed the deal with somebody who is really going to be a great part of your company. You can see the people, if they share a lot of what they know, if they're very collaborative, if they like to work in groups, you start to see that early on. But again, you can also see the red flag. So there are reasons why you want to do this that are not just from a skill build perspective, but from a collaborative culture perspective. Does this person fit? Did we make the right decision? The other reason why you want to welcome them in the way you would anyone else is you set expectations early and you set them level set across the board. So everybody coming into the organization knows what the expectations are. Within six months, six weeks, six days, you're supposed to do X, Y, and Z. Here's how you're going to be measured. Here's how we pay people. Here's the promotion ladder and the career pathing that we do. If you skip them from that process and, and push them into their job, they won't know any of those answers. A lot of the reason why they may have left a previous company is because they never got the answers there either, or they got answers they didn't want. So please be cognizant when you bring somebody into an organization. Rule number one, tenure is not relevant. Make sure that every new hire is treated equally. Rule number two, get all obligatory requirements out of the way during week one. A lot of people will pepper standard operating procedures, otherwise known as SOPs. They'll pepper in different compliance training. So it's not just staring at a computer screen for days on end and death by PowerPoint and all of that. And I've done it a lot of different ways. And I'll tell you, you're better off doing the obligatory things that don't really necessarily pertain to their job first and preferably day one, week one, <laughs> W9, computer setup, ethics, compliance, any of the corporate paperwork, that all needs to be done week one. And wherever possible, once the offer letter is signed, begin to reel them in. Give them as much paperwork as you can the second they sign the offer letter. You have to talk to your legal department about that, but it is really crucially important that the last thing they do in their onboarding is the most important thing that they do in their day-to-day. -day. They're not going to be thinking about their W-9 form day-to-day. -day. That has to be filled out day one anyway. But do the things that are least likely for them to be successful in their job first and get that out of the way so that they can focus in on the things that will set them up for success in their day-to-day. -day. Working with organizations over the past several years, I've seen an evolution that I like to refer to as the red carpet transformation. The red carpet transformation refers to companies that are getting wise about the interview process, being an opportunity to reel in that big fish. They're taking it a lot more seriously. And I love it. They've begun to initiate a cadence of information with each successive interview. Lately, we've been looking at people doing five, six, 10, 12 interviews just to get a job because it's so competitive out there. There's so many people on the market. The jobs report July of 2022 was a little bit better than we thought it would be given the pending perhaps recession and, and the interest rates going up and so forth, supply not meeting demand and whatnot. But what we're finding is people are still taking an exceedingly hard look at candidates because they want to make sure they're investing in the right people. And I, and I love that. But as they're doing it, they're giving them a little more information. So you go on one interview, the screening interview, and you get past that. They may send you 
their mission statement and their values or a video from a, a tenured individual who's been working there for a long, long time and talking about how much they love it. The next interview, they may send something along the lines of here's what our benefits look like. Here's what vacation looks like. Here's what team building looks like. And there's a video attached or something like that. But they're getting super creative to bring people into an organization by really showing the fabric of their DNA. And I love that. If you are not doing that, you should be. Because rule number two is get all the obligatory requirements out of the way week one. You could before week one, before you've even hired them, be giving them some information about what to expect from the company and what you're joining. It helps them make a decision about being a part of your company. And frankly, it gets some of the information out of the way early on. Rule number three, don't confuse assimilation with orientation. Assimilation involves a gradual process to integrate someone over time. Assimilation means something different for everyone. It could take six weeks for one person and six months for another. It is behavioral in nature. It is absolutely dependent upon the, the team or group in which they work. Some are more outgoing and to an extrovert, that's right. Some are more outgoing into an introvert. It's a little bit over the top. So you've got to read people during the interview process. So you bring them in at their speed. But assimilation is every buddy's individual speed. It's gradual. Orientation is a finite period of time, early in tenure, where you familiarize someone with the products, procedures, and processes of your company. And the reason why this has become a rule is that people feel that after orientation, everybody's assimilated and they're ready to go, 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 go. It's not the way it works. That doesn't ingratiate people to your culture. It exposes them in orientation to what you do and how you do it. But assimilation requires comfort and a sense of belonging. It isn't a one and done. It goes back to what I was saying about tenured people, experienced people coming into an organization to do a job they've done before, but at a different company. Every company's culture is different. Maybe similar, but it's usually very different. It's because of the people and behaviors that surround them. It's an intentional process to build assimilation into your plan, which is why a lot of companies will have like a 90-day plan. That still may not be enough for somebody to fully be assimilated. So you've got to read your audience. You've got to read your candidates. It's an intentional process where relationships are built and that doesn't happen by osmosis. It takes time to cultivate that. So mentoring is one solution to bring people into an organization and have a bit of a buddy system, somebody beyond their manager that they can trust and go to and say, hey, I don't know who to call to put out this fire. Can you help me here? Hey, I'd love to learn about this process. And when they're feeling more assimilated and they feel like they belong, then they can reach out to other people. But having a mentor, having somebody, a buddy system that can help them beyond their manager is really helpful as people assimilate into a culture. And it's a very creative way to enable fully belonging. So don't confuse assimilation with orientation. Again, assimilation is gradual. 
orientation and onboarding is finite. Once that ends, you still may be assimilated. Depends on the individual. Rule number four, managers, I have to hold myself back from the microphone for this because I've been a manager. This was always my modus operandi, my MO, people first, people first. You need to clear the decks for new hires, no matter what exclamation point. If you have a vacation coming up and the person wants to start that you've just hired during your vacation, I'm going to say this and companies are going to be like, what? That's insane. But I've done this and it can be done. Offer a week's paid vacation up front while you're on vacation. Seriously. And then the first week back for both of you is their first day. It's devoted to them, not to your email. Your emails can wait. You probably have 600 of them. The rest of your team can have part of that day too. Bring your team together. Say we're going to have a conference call, 30-minute call to introduce you to the new person. I'm going to be spending that first day with them. As you know, I did that with all of you and probably part of the first week. And have regular checkpoints from there. But managers that don't clear the decks for new hires, it actually physically makes me ill to hear that. And I guarantee it so adversely affects, unless there's an emergency, things happen in life and that's different. But if your game plan isn't day one of your new hire's tenure with your organization, not to put them first, you got to rethink that. You got to rethink that. When you bond with them at first, there are some do's and don'ts that I like to share with people. I focus more on the do's than the don'ts, but I will use the don'ts to explain the why for the do's. So when you have that first day with getting to know people, ask more than you tell for the first hour or for the first 20 minutes at least, if you're meeting for an hour. It's all about them. It's all about finding out about their interests, what their long-term and short-term goals are professionally. It's all about that. During the interview process, you probably asked a lot of those questions. So ask deeper dive questions. Explain to them your theory of development. I want to support you for next level opportunities. I want to schedule at least quarterly checkpoints to talk about your development and how you're coming along in the beginning. In the first 90 days, we'll meet a couple times a week for the first month. And then we'll gauge from there. If we want to move to weekly, we'll move to weekly. And then at the end of 30 days, we'll, I'll take your lead. We can do it bi-weekly from there if that's what you want. But I'm here for you by text, by email, by whatever. If you guys have some internal messaging, MS Teams or something like that, set the tone for being there for your people from day one. It's really the difference between somebody who leaves in four months and somebody who leaves when you're no longer their boss. It's really the mark of a good leader to put their people first and not always the business. It's really, really important. And to align with your entire team, if they have coworkers, make it a point to introduce people into the organization to each other and to the people that they can lean on in their early days. It will make a huge difference in their morale and the way they develop. So chart a course for regular and consistent checkpoints. And when you do those checkpoints, be resourceful, introduce new ways of doing things. Maybe somebody on your team does something particularly well that you want them to adopt those habits early on, connect them. Hey, this week you're going to get together with Cheryl. She does this really well. I think it would really help you make things all about setting them up for success. 
and connecting with. It will make a difference. Rule number five. This is also a big one. Take copious notes in the interview about what motivates the new hire and implement those things early on. Put a personal flair on the first days with your organization by showing them that you listen to what they said during the interview. So if they said, oh, I'm a big dog lover. I love my dog. This is my dog. She's my everything, this and that. Maybe you send them a welcome card that's signed by everybody in the company. If you're back to work face-to-face in an office setting, that's easy to do. Otherwise, you send a handwritten note with a cute dog that looks just like her dog (laughs) on the cover. And you say, hey, welcome to the organization. I'm really happy you're here. I just wanted to say I love coffee. So I just wanted to give you a quick token of my appreciation. Here's a $25 gift card to Starbucks in a card with a picture of that person's dog. Sounds silly, sounds stupid, goes a long way. Hey, I'm really motivated by frequently checking in. I used to work for a gentleman that every Friday afternoon, he would send me like a quick five minute email about how I was doing. So that first Friday, you send a quick email and say, hey, I'm going to be doing this. I know it was something that you really appreciated. I think it's a great idea. I'm going to start doing this for the whole team. And I know you're cringing because you're like, it's Friday. I don't want to be doing that. You could start building that on Wednesday and then just hit send on Friday. It really is that simple. Little things go a long way. So listen to what they're telling you in an interview, as well as the things they may be telling you about subtly why they're leaving. It's not stuff you can really dig into. There's a lot of legalities and what you can ask and what you can't. But maybe they say to you, hey, I really didn't like weekly checkpoints. I like to be given more formal feedback during my one-on-one. So you save it for verbal feedback during a one-on-one and you say to them, I know this is how you prefer feedback. So I'm going to give you the feedback and let me know if this works for you still. Listen to what motivates them. And if you already don't ask that in interviews, be sure that you start to integrate that into the questions that you ask, at least in the final interview. Because when you listen and you implement what they say motivates them, it not only shows that you listen to them, but it shows that what they said mattered to you. You could have heard it and even mention it, but never implement something. The fact that you implemented it because it's important to them also brings people into an organization a lot more smoothly. So please consider doing that. Finally, rule number six, if there is a team environment that you oversee and bringing somebody in or that you are going into a company and joining a team, assimilation looks like being an inclusive part of that team from day one. Day one is going to be busy for a new hire because of all the obligatory stuff we talked about before, but they need to spend at least 15 minutes being introduced to their partners. And I sort of tiptoed and tap danced around that in the earlier rules, but this needs to be paramount. If there is a team that this individual you're bringing in, or you are the individual being brought in to an organization, needs to be a part of and needs to work with on a pretty regular basis, if not daily, you need to introduce them day one if they haven't already been introduced in the interview. And I know that companies are super picky about who's in the interview panel for various reasons. 
at least throw one of their coworkers at them in the interview to see if there's a bond there potentially, to see if there are going to be any red flags, to see if these are people that can work together. And once that person is in, or if you're still in a candidate interviewing to get in, ask, am I going to be able to meet anybody on the potential team I'd be working for? Is it okay to give them a 15 minute phone call? I'd like to meet some of the people I might be working with. Usually you are meeting them in the interview, but on day one, if it's a direct team, everybody should be introduced to them unless they're on vacation or something like that. It really does make a difference. I can remember starting a a job before the pandemic. And I understand that once we went to a virtual framework, it was harder to meet people, but everybody had Zoom. It wasn't as if we couldn't set up Zoom meetings. It wasn't a priority to meet people at the company that I had started with. And so it was difficult. And some of the feedback that was given early on was that I wasn't a proactive thought partner at times. People didn't know what I was doing. And I found out that feedback was brought to my manager's attention by somebody I had not even met. They weren't even on my radar. So really early on, it's important to establish who the most important people are in the room that the person is going to be working with and build those relationships early on. So let's recap the rules of onboarding that will make an onboarding experience much more sound. You may already be implementing some of these strategies. And for those of you that are candidates looking for jobs, make sure that the company you're entering into does have these strategies down pat. Rule number one, very important rule, and that is make sure that whatever you do to build your orientation toward the fact that every single new hire is just that, they're a new hire. Tenure is not relevant. They could have been doing the job for 40 years in a very similar company, but they still deserve the same red carpet welcome that everybody else gets. Rule number two, get all obligatory requirements out of the way week one and preferably day one, wherever necessary, so that they can focus their time on what will be important to them to build their acumen, their skills, and their knowledge to be successful. And the very most important thing should be way at the end of orientation. So it's the thing that's most relevant and most current in their mind. Rule number three, don't confuse assimilation with orientation. Assimilation takes time and everybody is an individual there. Could take one person five minutes and another person five months. So be very cognizant of that. And as a leader, you need to gauge that. That's part of your job. Assimilation and orientation are two different things. Orientation and onboarding are a finite period of time, usually in the first few weeks or first few months of someone's tenure. So be considerate of that. Rule number four. Managers need to clear the decks for new hires day one and often week one. If there's an opportunity for a meeting that you have to go to, don't start the person on that week. Just don't. Find a way around it. Really think critically about when you start people. You need to put them first. Rule number five, during the interview process, take copious notes of what inspires and motivates people and implement that stuff early and often throughout their tenure. And finally, rule number six, if there is a team 
assimilate them into the team by introducing them early on, if not in the interview series, then day one, week one of their tenure. Making people feel part of the team from the first day they're there will help them assimilate a lot quicker. And remember, assimilation takes time. I hope this has been of value to you. I hope these six rules are ones that you feel if you're not implementing yet, or you're not asking about them during an interview series, you'll start to implement those asks. What can I expect from onboarding? How do you help people assimilate to your company? What are the expectations? What are they set? Who am I working with? Important questions you need to know the answers of because these are critical elements to consider when you're in the interview process, not when you're already in the door. And for the leaders out there listening, implement these rules. They will make a difference in how people show up and how productive they are. Remember the adage, happy people are productive people. And this is what assimilation and orientation really looks like. Simple strategies, but they go a long way. That's all we have for you this week. We hope it's been valuable. We know our time with you is valuable and we take it quite seriously. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you'll tune in to us next week for more great tips, same time, same place, even more power. Mm-hmm.